Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. I want to chat with you about a recent situation I had, and I posted about this on my social media, um, just to give some insight into a really common frustrating issue that I know you deal with in a general practice setting, and then certainly we deal with in a dermatologist setting, and that is what we very lovingly but frustratingly call flea nile. So I figured I'd go over this. I am currently past my bedtime the day before Valentine's Day um, here where I am. Spent an hour putting together Valentine's Day cards for my kids' school classes, which if any of you know, as parents, you know, you end up doing all that work. Um, But I did want to make sure I got this information recorded for you because I do know it's something that you know, it's really frustrating for me to deal with too. Um, but I think over the years, I've just kind of learned how to handle it. And granted, there are still cases that are really difficult um, and take a lot of my brain power, but it is something that we can still try to hold steady with, but be respectful. You know that I'm always about the offense, not the defense and trying to be empathetic. That doesn't mean it can't be challenging at times. So the situation I had was recently I had a new client come in with a very itchy cat, over-grooming cat, going towards that back of the body. Very, very classic flea allergy dermatitis. And as I'm getting a history, you know, I can see on the intake form that there's no flea control and it had mentioned anymore. So as we're kind of chatting before I can even ask about that, you know, we're going through all the things that it could be and the owner's kind of giving me her perception. And then before I can even ask about ectoparasite prevention, goes into, and I know it's not fleas, you know, and then gives all the reasons that it's not fleas. And so this, this cat had actually had a history of having a very severe reaction, an underlying cardiomyopathy that was triggered and very life-threatening when this cat was given a Depomedrol injection. So clearly we were going to have to avoid steroids in this cat. And then this cat was one that would not take medication. So as I'm talking to the owner, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what the best scenario for this cat would be, would be to be flea allergic because then we just need to put topical flea prevention on if the cat won't take an oral option and we may not have to give medications that the cat's going to be really stressed about when it already has a really severe cardiomyopathy. Um, but as I'm talking to the owner and I'm going over all the different forms of allergy, you know, I just mentioned distribution being really important in the fact that it was more towards the back half of the body. And there was a history of this cat getting one dose of a flea medication, um, a really quality one, an isoxazoline. Um, but the other cats at home not going on it. There was a few different cats at home. Um, this, these were all indoor cats. Um, and just doing the one month, not being consistent with it. So whenever I start talking about flea allergy to owners that have flea nile, first of all, I say I totally understand. If this was not a field I'm educated in, I understand why if you're not seeing fleas, if you don't feel like you're getting by, bitten by fleas, if your other pets at home are not itchy, I completely understand why it seems strange. I'm 
asking you to treat something. I think because we're in the field, it's really easy to look at that situation and just say, well, of course we have to have on flea prevention. But I think it's, I totally understand why owners don't necessarily get why we would ask them for that. We're kind of treating something that is inevitable that we can't see it because there's usually not an infestation. And that's what I also explain to owners is there's a big difference between a flea infestation. If you're seeing fleas visually on a pet or on yourself or in the home, there's, that's the tip of the iceberg and there's a lot more that's going on. Um, But I always go back and I've talked about this before to the example of a bee sting hypersensitivity because people who are familiar with someone who has an insect venomous insect allergy knows that an immune system can act very differently even if two people are getting the same exposure and that's the same thing that we deal with with cats and dogs who have flea allergy dermatitis. So I use that example to say it doesn't mean that there's an infestation. If there's an infestation Everyone would be itchy at home. You'd potentially be itchy. You'd be seeing them. This is just minimal exposure that, you know, most pets are getting exposed to, but they're not having an actual reaction to it. And then I always, and I've said this time and time again on the podcast, I always like to try to give an out. So for me, I try to get owners to commit to three months of everyone consistently in the household going on an isoxazoline. Flea allergy dermatitis, I definitely have cases or they don't fully respond that first month. They might kind of respond, um, but I definitely have a decent amount of cases that it seems like that second, you know, maybe third month is where we finally get full resolution. We can come away from things like antipyretics. So I like owners to really commit. So some of the missteps I see is either one, not choosing a quality flea control. So we're going to want an isoxazoline for the most part. Um, Two, not treating everyone in the household. So please do not just treat the pet that's really itchy. I have had numerous situations where the pet who's itchy is on a good quality flea prevention, but there's another pet at home that's not because owners figured since they're not itchy, they don't really need it. And I've seen this happen with a dog being itchy on good flea control and an indoor cat not being on flea prevention have gotten that cat treated and eventually got to take away all the pharmaceuticals in the dog. I've seen the flip of that where a cat's been really itchy, but like a little dog that's at home is not on flea control. We treat the dog and the cat gets better. It's something that I always explain to owners, like we do not want to be using, you know, medications that can have side effects that are chronic and long-term if we can control them by controlling the root of the issue you know, and this owner really wanted allergy tests. And I had to explain that allergy testing for the environment, even in a cat who doesn't have environmental allergies, we will potentially get positives. You know, it's just measuring things like IgE levels. What's important for me is knowing if that's clinically relevant for that pet. So are they pruritic from it? And I don't know in a case like this, unless they're on consistent flea control that's been used numerous months, you know, year round, And then having everyone else on the flea prevention as well. The other thing is if you are going to flea comb, which is great. It's wonderful if you flea comb and you find fleas or you find flea dirt. But I do often see in records, you know, mention of, oh, well, did flea comb negative, so can't be fleas. Or I've had, you know, owners say, well, they did a flea comb. They didn't find any evidence of fleas. So they said it's not fleas. And we know that's not true as well. Because again, these pets who are flea allergic have a tremendous hypersensitivity in some cases, 
that they don't have to have a ton of evidence of fleas because, you know, fleas are small. Fleas don't stay still. Fleas like to move, like hide and jump around and go on moving targets and hide in carpets and furniture. So it's unless you have a really large population, a lot of times you're not going to find those things on a pet. So flea combing's great, but it doesn't rule out the possibility that fleas can be an underlying issue if you're dealing with a pet that has a flea bite hypersensitivity. So as we're going through this in this particular scenario, you know, I can I can tell the defenses are going up and I can tell we're really frustrated um, because dietary changes have been do- had been happening and that wasn't helping. And I think ultimately this owner really wanted allergy testing done just to try to be able to avoid things. And it would have been really simple for me just to say, okay, we can do a blood test. But I don't want to set up unrealistic expectations. The reality is I truly think this cat is probably solely flea allergic. It is going to be the best thing for this cat if we can minimize oral medications that the cat won't take anyway. We can minimize medications that the cat has severe reactions to. Um, And we are so lucky if it's a flea allergy. You know, I call that an easy win in a cat, as you've heard me say many times before. So as we're talking about this, and I try to explain this to owners, the owner, like, can we just commit to these few months? I completely understand why it seems like, you know, something that doesn't make sense since you're not visually seeing them, but it also really hate in your young cat that struggles with medications and has severe side effects and other comorbidities to miss something that's really straightforward and easy. And then really just explaining the distribution. And that's something we commonly see. You've heard us talk about like putting pants on a cat or pants on a dog. If they're going for that pants area, predominantly you want to rule out something like flea allergy in that we just can't treat them once that we have to use it consistently. None of these products create a force field around the pet. We're really just trying to have a fast speed of kill so that we can control the environment in general, which is why we often don't see that they respond like within two days, it can take some time. So we're using other things to provide relief, which in this cat, we're actually just doing topicals because of the issues the owner has medicating and the comorbidities that this cat has that really restricts us from using other stuff. As I'm chatting, I can just see her being frustrated. I can read the body language. And so in that situation, I just identify that. You know, I can say, I I know this is really frustrating. And then she said, yeah, it is really frustrating because she really doesn't think it is. And I said, I understand. I can just tell you I've been doing dermatology now for a long time. This is a very classic pattern. And I, if it's not the full issue and it's only a a partial percentage, at least controlling that's still going to prevent us from using long-term medications if we don't have to. And though it was tough, in the end, the owner did commit to trying an isoxazoline for a few months. And I'm really hopeful this cat will fully respond. And we talked about the importance of being consistent, giving it time. And so fingers crossed that we see the response we want. But I just want to give you some tidbits of what I do and some missteps that I sometimes see along the way. You know, flea allergy is something that we still do see in a specialty clinic. And I wish we didn't because it is something that, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward to treat. But again, I understand if you're not used to dealing with some of these tough cases of, you know, feeling like you don't see the fleas or if they're indoor, why it seems less likely it would be flea allergy but especially in cats, it's just one of those things we want to control. Even if they have multiple allergies, if I can have that portion of it controlled, 
then I can really focus on the other stuff and not always wonder if we're missing that piece of the puzzle. And then just looking at those situations with these owners, again, they're frustrated. Just say, I know this is frustrating. I can see you're frustrated. I know this is frustrating. I just really want your pet to get better. And in my experience, this is something that I've commonly seen. And then I'll explain certain scenarios where that has happened. So hopefully you guys find that helpful. Flenile is a very difficult thing. It can be really frustrating. It can seem very straightforward for us as medical people, but we want to help these pets. And that is a really easy win that we can get in dogs and cats.